0: Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us for our second episode of MLS Fantasy Insider. Once again, uh, my name is Reed, and I'm joined by Simon. How's it going, y'all? And uh, we're very excited for this episode. We're going to be focusing on looking at the schedule that's just released, the first six to eight weeks, and see what kind of early fantasy thoughts people might have on that. And equally, though, probably more so, I'm excited about a special guest that we have. Uh, we're going to be joined by Quincy Ameriqua. What up? That's me. <laughs> so yes, as, as Twitter describes him, entrepreneur, mentor, marketer, blogger, and pro soccer player. So we're excited to have him here, and do a little bit of fantasy chat, and hopefully provide some, some entertainment stuff for all you guys who are faithfully retuning back in to listen to us.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining us, Quincy. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: So I guess some people might not know. Just to, to lead into everything, what what does preseason involve for a professional soccer player?
2: Uh, you know, just hanging out, not really doing much, coming in super unprepared, and then you know winging it. <laughs> that you sounds know. a lot like regular life. Yeah, right. No, it's uh, you know, uh, I guess fortunately or unfortunately, I've been on a lot of teams, so I've been in a lot of preseasons. I don't know, take with that what you will. But uh, it just depends on the coach and the coaching style. Some coaches like, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, preseason is intense, but uh, what you do is, is, is greatly determined by the philosophy of the coach. Um, some are very avid about coming in day one, first game of the season, at optimal f- fitness and peak performance, and then others have a philosophy of maybe um, – building into it um, and getting into stride over the course of the season. So, uh, you know, there's a there's a balance between everything playing and, and uh, fitness and all your extra work and stuff. But, um, yeah, that pretty much comes down to your coach's philosophy.
0: So can you tell us how long have you been involved playing fantasy sports, not just MLS but of all kinds?
2: Just MLS. That was my first time playing fantasy sports. So what? Two years ago? But you
0: did it on your own last time, and then and then Chicago Fire asked you to do something this last season, right? With the yeah. the beat Quincy?
2: Um, no, I I did it for the first time my first year, and I you know I forced my teammates, some of my teammates and good friends uh, <laughs> to to do it. I was like, let's do you know the fantasy, the MLS fantasy stuff. Like that. we have such an insight on things. Let's see if that that turns into anything. Ah. And then, yeah, and then. You know, I, out of all of us, I was the only one that pretty much did it till I probably did like eighty percent of the season, and then I was like, okay, I'm over this because I'm clearly the only person doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second year, I just wanted to do it again, and I told the fire like, hey, um, this is what I want to do. Uh, let's turn it into something into some capacity. So that's kind of what what Quincy time and all that other stuff eventually evolved into.
0: So I guess the question then is, how did you do last season?
2: I don't know. I think I did all right. I ended up not paying. I've ended up again not paying attention <laughs> <laughs> towards, the, towards the end of the season because, like, you, we'll get caught up with you know games and all that kind of stuff. Right, so, right. So then, and then I'm just doing a bunch of other stuff. So uh, that ended up not. You know, to be honest, when I first started, I was like, yeah, you know, the MLS fantasy stuff. Hopefully, I'll build a community of people that wants to do certain things but as i was doing those uh the quincy time episodes people cared less and less about fantasy and more and more about doing like dumb challenges and interviewing <laughs> people and just being an idiot so that's kind of what i went towards and i just played on the back end and i don't know, i don't know if anyone who's uh will be listening watches the quincy time episodes but the running joke the ongoing joke is um is that no one cares about the hashtag Be MLS fantasy Challenge League. But I continually keep everyone updated on my progress in the league because everyone loves it. So
1: Yeah, so. I mean, I, I think it's very interesting that you've been doing this for two years now. And I, for those of us who are like really into MLS fantasy, sometimes it gets easy to forget that fantasy with this league is something that's really pretty new, and it takes a while to build this base of people that's really into it and so it is kind of a niche thing now but things like what you're doing kind of uh provide an entry point to new people who who might want to start playing fantasy and paying attention to all the mls games not just the ones uh that their team plays so
2: yeah i think uh your guys' niche is the hardcore uh MLS fantasy player and then my niche is the maybe the person that didn't know that there was MLS fantasy or the casual player, you know, who who might not necessarily you know be checking their their lineup a minute before the deadline, but maybe sets it every other week. <laughs> that probably makes some of your listeners pretty angry, but hey, you know
0: no, no, that's it's reality. <laughs> Yeah, there's different levels of commitment. So
1: that's definitely how it is for like I have probably four or five like real life friends who play MLS fantasy, and they're pretty much the set their lineup two thirds of the time kind of people. Whoops, I forgot about it. But you know that's where you get new people from if you want to grow something. So you got to start somewhere. Yeah. I
2: mean, I don't, I don't, I don't blame them. It's sometimes it's kind of difficult to stay, stay on top of things. You know. Um, especially with this, I'm, I, I pulled up my thing, and it looks like I got one thousand two hundred fifty five overall.
1: That's pretty good, really, for especially since you're like playing games a lot of the time, and you can't be on there to change your lineup right before a game starts.
2: Yeah, sometimes that makes me angry because sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'll set it up. and I'm like, oh man, uh, and then. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess I'm gonna go play. Whatever, we'll just leave it, and hopefully, it works out for the best.
0: <laughs> How often were you on your own team? Uh,
2: pretty often. <laughs> I, guess I, I guess I had the unfair advantage of knowing that I this year I'm gonna play, and I don't care what happens. I'm gonna make sure I play it. So I bought, I bought myself at you know, the the base level price. I don't know. I think I was like, oh five yeah, five million or five and a half million, something like that. So it was pretty easy to just keep me on the roster the whole year um, <laughs> me and Harry Ship because yeah. even if I didn't want to play us, um the trade off in production for the amount of money I'd get, even though it was it was more wasn't worth um, not keeping us on the team so yeah. I think i was on I was on the team the whole year, but um I feel I was pretty pretty fair in deciding if I was going to be playing myself or another forward based on the matchup, which is kind of weird. It's a little conflicting. You know, do I favor myself more than this person against Chivas, or I don't know. So it made it it difficult at times when there were certain matchups and forwards in my roster.
0: Did you have any kind of strategies that you used whenever you were picking players or, or deciding on who to start a
2: captain? I guess it's just a bag of whatever, you know. Not any one particular strategy, but I would, I would, my, I, well, I guess my biggest strategy was just looking at the matchups and understanding like my philosophy on how I felt the team's uh, mantra was, how that matched up against the team that they were playing, particular players that might be on or off the field at any point in time. You know, I'm pretty sure like a general, general strategy that most people have, and then you just, you know. Basically, are guessing at the end of the day on what you between 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 your strategies and um, hoping that you get it right. So, what
0: were some of the most surprising interactions you had with the fans that may have been driven from from the I guess the prizes you were giving out and everything from there.
2: I'm sorry, you cut out again. Uh, oh, sorry about the prizes. Uh, just w-
0: what were some of the more surprising interactions you had from from fans because of fantasy maybe you wouldn't have gotten to to talk to them before and and
2: from your prizes? Uh it was a combination of things. I would say a lot of a lot of people just really liked the show in general, and they wanted me to like um create create things like t shirts and stuff like that. Like I made the t-shirt store. And um just other stuff. I was getting a lot of, I was getting a lot of people who weren't Chicago Fire fans that were reaching out to me saying, "I follow the Chicago Fire account now because of this," or um, "I hate you guys, but I can't lie that I like this a lot." You know, so, <laughs> so it was good. You know, it was a mixture of things. And then, you, of course, you get a few people who you know have their negative things to say about stuff. But I tend to not listen to that because if I did, I would have. I would not be playing soccer a long time ago, you know. Just negativity, no room for that here. So we just kept pushing forward. But uh to get back to your question. Yeah, there's a lot of positive things. Um and it gave a lot of people something to speak to me about, let's say we were at um fire specific events, you know, mm-hmm. where they're going, I, I picked up this person and then I traded that person and then you know, this rule sucks and that stuff sucks. So I guess it gave it gave people another Another avenue to speak to me instead of going like, instead of maybe the necessarily like asking questions about certain things with the team that you know I clearly can't answer, or I'm not right. going to answer, <laughs> or I'm not going to answer. Uh, so that I think that was that was the biggest positive to take away from it. That's great. So I know that
0: you have a a lot of stuff that goes on with your life. You I I browse through your website and I've and I've tuned into a couple of those episodes as well. You do a lot more than just soccer. Um, and I know you, with one of our collaborators on on this project here, you're also doing some things. So, just what else is going on? What What do you want to plug?
2: I mean, a lot of things. I'd say the the biggest thing that I work on consistently is um, quincymercore.com. You know, my main website and blog. Um, that is something that I'm want to build into a lot of uh, a really big big things, so big pictures, I'm currently writing my first book um, and then I'm going to create like a community of individuals um, who you know, are all about self-improvement, uh, not making excuses, and just getting things done and then basically a community of people that can hold each other accountable for that um, on that side of things and then we've got quincytime.co which is the web series and supporting that is the Quincytime shop where I'm making t-shirts and hoodies and a bunch of other stuff we've got. We've got custom chucks coming soon and then like mugs and pretty much everything. I'm going to blow that up. That'll be fun. Um, So that's cool. But the biggest thing that I just launched two days ago was perfectsoccerrecruit.com. Now that is basically a site that's dedicated to teaching uh, parents, youth coaches, and, uh, youth coaches and just kids, how to get rec- uh, recruited to the college soccer program of their choice. So, um, there' a big problem, or I guess a big issue that um, I know I had when in high school trying to trying to play soccer in college. You know, was knowing what to do. I had no idea what to do, and because of that, I didn't do anything. I just thought playing soccer was enough, and if you're good enough, then a coach sees you, and then they offer you a scholarship, and then that's that's that, you know? And uh, luckily, I guess for me, uh, throughout my entire high school career and club and all that stuff, I didn't get picked up by anyone. I wasn't seen by anyone. I didn't get any interest. So as far as I was concerned, I thought I would be going to a college that I got into on academically. And I was going to try to walk on for track and field because I I was a pole vaulter in high school, and I was really good at that. So I just assumed I wasn't good enough at soccer to play in college. Well, um, and that and the fact, I didn't play on the best club team, so that probably didn't help in terms of exposure either, either, right? But my last game of my last tournament for my club team, two coaches came to watch the other team play recruiting two years out. And... I happened. I did really well that game, and uh, after that game, both coaches offered me a scholarship. So it was like immediately from, okay, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to play in college and soccer, and I don't know how. You know, I'm not going to play college and soccer. uh, Soccer in college. So what's the next step? To hey, here's two scholarship offers to schools. You're coming on official visits and stuff. So it's very like, you know, lucky that I happen to be at the right place at the right time, you know. And through college and then seeing how recruiting goes and then going into the pros and being in the pros, I uh, I met Ross LeBeau, my partner with, with the website, who did the total opposite of me. Sorry for running really long with this. But uh, no. he, he was the total opposite of me. He knew he wanted to play soccer in college from like eighth grade. So, but he also didn't know what to do, but he was extremely proactive about it. Him and his mom, like, wrote out a huge plan about how they're going to contact coaches, how they're going to reach out to them, how they're going to stay in contact with them, they're going to learn all the rules, understand what it takes to put yourself in the best position. So we combined our two, our two, and he, on the other hand, had like 30 scholarship offers come, come his senior year, right? So we combined the two, the things that I did wrong, the things I learned and all the things he did right and would have done differently, and we created an ebook that basically tells and teaches you everything. And then I used, I took that ebook and I talked to some other college coaches and got feedback on them on what we should add or make uh, to make it better. Case of you know, at the end of the day, we made the book, and then we made a one-on-one training training center, PSR Skills Academy, to help not only off the field but on the field to help you develop the three most important aspects of your soccer team. So that's the big, that's the big flagship product project that's going to turn into something else in the next, in, over the next couple of months that I'm juiced about. So yeah, that's kind of that right now. And my 20 minute explanation for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Interesting.
1: That's awesome. I, yeah, I, you can take all the time in the world you want for that. That's so cool. I just, yeah, I think people will find that really useful, just even weirdly talking to, like, I was talking to one high school kid last year because I work in a high school radio station, and so my job is technically a high school ra- a high school teacher, and I was talking to one kid who I saw playing in a high school soccer game, and I was like, oh, have you con? has anyone contacted you about, like, playing professionally, or... You know, in an academy or for college, because he scored two goals in the game, and they were like pretty nice goals. And his touches everything, really strong. And he was just like, "No." A scout saw me once, and he thought I was okay, and so I don't really think I'm going to do it. And so I don't know. I think people like him will really benefit for that from stuff like this. So
2: yeah, the main thing, to be honest, coaches get stuff wrong all the time. You know, scouts get stuff wrong all the time and um, if you're just banking on them seeing you one time and then making that grand decision to offer you something uh, chances are you're not gonna get it you know Uh, I even I can admit my current my situation was extremely lucky for the simple fact that I wasn't proactive in my own recruiting process or trying to get seen so the main thing is teaching teaching kids teaching parents that if you want something uh, take it into your own hands, and you can you can make that happen. And if you are just persistent and annoying enough, you're going to be seen. Yeah, you're going to be seen, and someone's going to listen. So I think that's kind of just been my philosophy in life, as well as soccer, and why I found success, um, the little success that I've found so far. Uh, because uh, if I want something, I'm just going to keep doing it until I get it, and I don't care what a thousand, ten thousand, or a million other people have to say about it. If it's what I want, I'm going to stick with it. So that's basically kind of the the ebook is saying the million different ways you can go about getting recruited, it doesn't have to be the lottery ticket way that everyone thinks it has to be.
0: Yeah, that, sound, that sounds awesome. I know, I guess I've fallen victim to some of those, the the movie element of it where small town kid out playing baseball, football, whatever, mm-hmm. scout drives up. I've discovered you, you play. I, it makes so much sense to hear you say it that way, but I wouldn't have thought... That's
2: how it. That's how you should do it. That's yeah. yeah same, I mean, so simple. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, every movie, everything says you have to be seen, and you have to rely on someone else to, to determine your success or your outcome. You know, so, you know, the kid that you admit you had mentioned, um, uh, Simon, he, he's just going, okay, I, don't think I can do it because this one guy didn't think much of me. You know, where. I want to teach him that screw what that guy says, go find someone else that likes you. And if the next guy doesn't, go to the next person. And then go to the next person. And while you're going to all those people, keep improving yourself. Keep improving yourself. And eventually you're going to find someone that says yes. You know, you're going to find a way in. It just comes down to how badly you really want uh what it is you say you want. You know. So that could go on on a whole different thing on in terms of that. But that's that's what that's what uh, QuincyMerkwad.com is really about and really speaks to you. I do a lot of art, I write a lot of articles and uh, speak to a lot of things with with those types of things in mind.
0: That is awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely be checking that out after
2: after we wrap up the podcast today. Cool. And then you can put a bunch of uh, trolling comments on my site. This is this is terrible. What are you talking about? <laughs> Go somewhere.
0: Well, since you're still willing to hang around, the the other purpose of our episode today is we're talking about schedules. Um, MLS released the full schedule, uh, I guess, a couple of days ago now. I'm yeah. assuming you've seen what's coming up for you guys at Chicago. Yeah, I had a little peek at it. How are you feeling? MLS, they have a strength of schedule.
2: I just saw that episode. I saw that article. I think the other day it said New England yeah. has this the the easiest schedule based on based on their statistical breakdown. points per game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they got Chicago kind of there in the middle. Uh, I think they looked at the entire season, though, and of course, Fantasy is so much more of a incremental game. We were just looking at the first few weeks, and personally, I, I feel like Chicago's got a pretty good lineup there to start the season.
2: Yeah, when I was looking at it, I thought it was pretty... It, there wasn't anything there I went, oh man, we're just we're going to have a really, really tough patch of games or uh, patch of travel. I thought it was pretty pretty well balanced, and and pre- you know in our favor if if anything uh, more so than anything, yeah, I was looking at it. I didn't see more than two away games in a row, I didn't see too much um too much cross country travel for home and then away, so I thought it was, it was pretty fair for us i, I didn't how ha- yeah, I didn't have to look at every everybody else's schedule
0: yeah you do open with l a which has got to be kind of intimidating on some level for the for the champions but I don't think LA usually starts out very good is that is that right Simon
1: I don't know I can't say that I've really kept track of it I would probably be intimidating intimidated playing against LA but to be fair I'm not a professional soccer player I'd be intimidated playing against any of these guys so
2: Yeah I think the LA's done pretty well in their their home openers over the last couple of years uh not last year but the year before we we played them in L.A., and Mike McGee had a field day. Um, so this year shall be different.
0: That's right. That was – I remember that. That was – I think he had a hat trick, was it, and, and everyone who captained him with fantasy was viewed as a genius. Exactly. I think I had him on my team, and that was – I was just just happy to have him.
2: So you had him, you had him in the lineup. Are,
0: yeah, I like it. I I can't – I can't help but think Toronto is going to have it a little rough. Um, I know all the statistics say that away games are always harder. Have Have you found that to be the experience just as a player? Is it Is it Is it difficult coming into an
2: away stadium? Yeah, I mean, away games just in general uh, is, is more difficult just because you're not in your own element. The team you're playing is. Um, your entire schedule for preparing for a game is completely different on an away trip than it is for a home game. You know, from what time you get up in the morning to, um, and then again, it also depends on the coach's preference. Some coaches are uh, are very strict in terms of okay, seven a.m. breakfast, nine a.m. this, ten a.m. walk, twelve o'clock film, one o'clock this. So your your schedule is planned the whole day, and then you have other coaches go okay, optional breakfast at ten, we'll go over stuff at twelve, and then be prepared to go at four or whatever. You know, so because of that, it's much different than, let's say, a home game where you wake up in your own bed, you make your own breakfast, you do what you need to do, and then your job is just to be at the stadium at whatever particular time. So those things play, uh, come into play, because on away trips, it's always different, so you're always trying to adjust and, and get yourself ready for for who you're playing against. Do you have any rituals that you do before games? No, I'm not a particular superstitious person. Um, (laughs) I don't believe in that stuff, but I do like to sleep, so I guess if you consider that a ritual or uh, something like that, pretty much on a game day, on an away trip, every second I don't have to be at a team meal or uh, film or something like that, I'm probably in my bed with a pillow over my face sleeping. (laughs) That's the secret.
0: The secret to success, right there. That's Sleep. It. Yes. I'm sure your high school students don't get enough of that, do they, Simon?
1: No, I don't get enough of that. They certainly don't.
0: So, Simon, I guess uh, you probably you're welcome to chime in, Quincy, if you have some thoughts on this. Who do you think's got the the best opening schedule this week or this these first six weeks?
1: Um, I like LA's first few weeks. Well, like the first three weeks for LA are pretty nice because they've got three home games in a row, and then there's been so much roster turnover. Well, not that much, but Portland and Houston defensively last year a little bit shaky, and they play them in the first three weeks. And There's going to be some adjustment there. Um, I kind of like New England's, too, just because, I mean, aside from that first week in Seattle, they've got three home games against teams that, again, maybe don't have the best defensive uh, record last year, so... And then Philly opens with three home games, too. I'm pretty much, yeah. I When it comes to fantasy, I look at home games as more important than almost anything else. Just because that's what the stats seem to say. Um, like you said, I weak, weakness, though. Toronto, I have no idea how they got stuck with so many away games at the start of the year. It's like, that's painful. There's a lot of away games. I think they're having some stadium renovations. Oh, they are. Oh, wow, I didn't know yeah, that. They're,
2: ex- they're, they're expanding Pimo Field. There we
1: go. Oh, that's rough. That's a rough way to start off a season. On the bright side, if they can get some points out of it, they'll have a lot of home games at the end.
0: Very true. Something to keep in mind. I think their first home game is, is around 10, so, so week 10, um, if I remember the
2: article before. So that will definitely, yeah. Jeez, I'm just looking at that right now. Toronto's thing. May 23rd is their first home game.
1: Have you ever experienced something like that, Quincy, with like an absurdly long stretch of away games just due to stadium renovation or something? I can't believe that that's easy for the players to get into like...
2: Not necessarily for stadium renovation. I think with Colorado, there was a stretch of time where we were just on the road for a long, long period of time. And then um, last, last year, not... No, not last year, but two thousand and thirteen. Fifteen? Yeah, two two thousand thirteen with Chicago. I think there's a there's a period of time where we were like, it's a home game in Chicago, then we had to fly all the way to Seattle for or that was last year, sorry. Then to Seattle, then all the way back across to Montreal, then back. It's it's very difficult, especially with how big the country is. So when you're flying across the country to play on the road and then you might not necessarily get the result you want to then know you have to fly back across the country again to go play someone else in another difficult situation, um, Toronto is going to have a lot cut out for them, especially if their first 10 games are on the road. That's kind of ridiculous.
0: And that's something I've always wanted to look at because it's something that's so different between MLS and, and the Premier League, just the travel that that all of you guys have to do with that for uh, for the games and the different time zones I have to get crossed. I, I think it'd be really fun to see maybe a comparison of wins and losses versus miles traveled <coughs>
2: between games. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I saw someone maybe it. I don't know if they wrote an actual article on it. I'm really big on stats. I like stats, like the Optus stuff.
0: And, yeah, no, I, th- I think the teams, if you're looking for some longevity in those first six weeks... Um, the most home games that any any team has is is four. Uh, I think three in a row is, is the best. Um, L.A. Has, has that, but Vancouver also has a double game week in there, which Columbus has, but Columbus has two buys. Vancouver has nothing. So you can get seven games out of the first six weeks if you find some solid Vancouver players. So those are definitely some guys I'm going to be keeping an eye out. Normally I'd say go for a defender, but after last year, Defense which is so all over the place that I, I'm just not even sure who you can ride like that.
1: I'm pretty interested. It's hard to even think about the player stuff until we know if there's going to be format changes to MLS Fantasy this year or even what the pricing is going to be like on players and things like that. It's just so hard to think about it. Um,
2: That's true. Do you
1: know... Yeah,
2: okay, I have a question. Here you go. A question for you guys. Who sets prices for players and determines pretty much everything with regard to the rules and stuff. Do you guys get to have a say in what they do or are you guys are you just like me where you go okay here are the rules, here are the prices, deal with it?
0: I, I think it's mostly we're kind of like you, we just we just take it but I know I think everyone wants to blame Ben Jada. I think it's what it is because he is, <laughs> is just great to put himself out there to the community and a great resource um, and he's actually posted on the Reddit forum r slash uh, MLS fantasy that, um, fantasy MLS I got I got it wrong in the moderator r slash fantasy MLS uh, some suggestions that he has submitted to the company that they work with for the game um, and those are some pretty nice ones but it, it it seems a little bit out of MLS's hands but they do have some feedback to it but um,
2: oh so they've just given that to a third party and then they they crunch the numbers and decide what they're doing a,
0: a little bit as well. I think it's the same company that does the fantasy system for EPL, but I know several of us made suggestions at the end of last year and, and because of our involvement on Twitter and I know Ben's involvement on the Reddit forum, I know that he's seen them and, and they're, they've been great from my experience so far to, to be responsive to fans. So I I think at least some of the suggestions that people have made from last year were mirrored by, by the MLS staff. So I, I think, I think there could be some fun changes, maybe some rollbacks, um, was there anything that surprised you this year about changes that, that you hadn't expected from last year?
2: Uh, I think the biggest thing, uh, but everyone would agree with me, was like, the auto-substitutions. Oh, yes. That was that was my biggest gripe. Um, that was pretty annoying.
0: I think our community was partially to blame for that. I know that some people figured out how to do what, what got coined to be the caparoo and the switcheroo, where you could uh, have your... Captain be someone who was not gonna play and have your vice captain be someone who might be good and if your vice captain did well you left the guy who wouldn't play in there so that the vice captain would get the double and if he did poorly you would bring in another guy, like keep Robbie Keen on your bench and then if, if someone else didn't didn't do well, bring Robbie Keen and give him the captain and they they wanted to get rid of that, I'm pretty sure.
2: Oh okay, yeah. See, I didn't know about that. But the one thing is, uh, I just the gen- I generally play the fantasy, so I know I haven't. I don't. Com- I haven't committed enough time to learn all the, tr- you know, the little tricks and the and the the strategies that I know. You guys, you hardcore gamers are able to do to even like squeeze <laughs> more money out of stuff. The one thing I was, I forgot. Was I was talking to my friend, uh, my my friend Ross. I was saying I feel like I could be. You know, those, those guys on Wall Street, the insider traders who could just uh, falsely boost the value of a, a, of a player mm-hmm. that I purchased and then once people raise the price of it, just get out and sell and then use that money, money, money elsewhere. I was, I was going like, I can see how these guys are doing that just on a much larger scale. Oh yeah, Cause, yeah. Because if you're just, you know, if you have a a readership or a viewership that's listening to your suggestions, and you've already made a move in the market, um, you can definitely use that to your advantage if you wanted to. So I tried to be as um I tried to be as honest and open as possible whenever I was trying to when I was making tips or advice or my thinking when it came to to came to certain trades and stuff that I did. Um, so that so that wouldn't end up happening, you know. Uh, you know, there's a lot of being a player in the league and then being someone who's talking about the certain things constricts you a lot in what you want to say or do because you don't want to. Um, I don't know, you can't throw yourself or you don't want to throw certain players on the bus because you understand where they're coming from or performance and stuff. Whereas <laughs> whereas other fans are like, this guy sucks this week. He didn't get me any points. I got plenty of those from people. On Twitter, that was <laughs> that was fun, you know.
0: So oh, yeah, I, I know I've I definitely faced the same thing. I know with, with Simon, since we've both had had blogs that have done tips, you you always want to balance that credibility with doing well yourself. But
1: I mean, maybe personally, I just actually don't think that's as much of a big deal because I think the main thing we talk about with like the advantage you can gain is like player prices increasing, but. Pretty much both seasons I've just had like an over excess of money for my team just because I felt like once you get maybe halfway through the season, you realize that a bunch of the best players probably aren't the highest value ones, and I think at the end of last year, I probably had six seven million in money that I just wasn't using at all um so I really I think that advantage is maybe a little bit overstated but yeah telling people the players that you're using i think that's honestly that's the problem more than anything is you're like ah i don't want to give away my secrets
2: so <laughs> <laughs> right you giving away that that you just want to be tempted like oh i would I'm dumb captaining some i don't know some no name guy that you know is not going to be starting this year or starting that game and hoping what everyone doesn't do their homework and just purchases that guy, and then you reap the <laughs> benefits from those points
0: is this guy um, named I, Quincy Americois, I think I'm going to go with this guy for this game. Um, <laughs> see what happens
2: yeah. yeah, that's well that's what I'll say in the beginning, and they no one wanted to believe, uh no one was believing me, so i got I got the benefit of those. I think the big thing is getting sleepers the year before, but I can't. oh say. yeah, that's super difficult to do because the information you're given, especially on m l s Doc, or mlssoccer.com is very 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 uh, filtered because it's ran by the league so you know they're only really talking about whoever it is they want to promote in any particular time sure. and then there's not too much in the realm of outside writers talking about things that really are going to help you I don't know make, make certain decisions like I don't Play fantasy football, but it looks like there's so many websites and insights and experts talking about player movement, who will play, who might not play, uh, and MLS just isn't there. Isn't there yet? It w- will be eventually, but I think it makes it more difficult.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, even this year, I think it's going to be better than it was last year, and the year after that, it's going to be better still in terms of the information. It seems like over the last couple of years, there's really been sort of a giant jump in the amount of
2: just work that's being done about the league. So, yeah, no, I agree. I agree to you. I mean, I've sometimes I watch. I watch. So uh, since I came in, I'd never watched sports on TV. I was never a big sports guy. I love playing sports. I hated watching other people play. um But since I came to the league, I've become a really big fan of of the league. And I watch. I watch a lot of games just on my own. You know. Just for the simple entertainment factor, not necessarily just scouting other teams and seeing all that kind of stuff. And uh every year I'm just more and more impressed at just the play and the standard of play in the league. Like sometimes I'm sitting there like, holy crap, do I still play do I play in this league? I play this <laughs> Do I play there? You know? Because the s- speed of play is super fast. I mean players are getting technically so much better. Um it's really enjoyable to watch. I enjoy it a lot, so. I'm excited to see how the league continues to grow in the coming years.
0: I, I agree with every, everything you just said with that. It, it breaks my heart so many times to talk to friends who, who just won't even give it a chance. And I'm like, it's, it's, it's there. I just, just watch it. Find someone and, and just go with it. Yes,
2: I agree. Every single person who might not have been a fan of soccer or liked it at all, when they've come to a game, and they can sit with someone who can explain what's going on to them. By the time they leave, they love it and they want to come back again. So that's really the the struggle, just getting them to come out and watch one time. And then after that, they're usually at least a casual fan or not so apprehensive to to watch it on TV or to not say that it's stupid anymore. I guess that's progress, right?
0: I think so. Yeah. I got to go to the U.S.-Mexico game in Columbus for the, for the World Cup qualifier, and there were a couple people there who I know was their first games, and everyone was standing and cheering and chanting, and, and one of the security staff looked at me one time and said, I have been to NFL games. You guys are crazy.
2: Oh, so it's, yes. it's just energy. I love it. Yeah, and I'm hoping it just continues. that continues to come down into the league, and you can't not go to a stadium and have that type of atmosphere.
0: And that's the big reason I started playing Fantasy, and I and I really hope that this keeps getting promoted and helps others is I find this a great way to get into the game. You you become interested in more games, you become interested and familiar with more players, and you want people to succeed. Maybe it's selfish so that you succeed yourself, but uh, you can't help but build some connection with that, or feel a connection at
2: least. No, 100%. I think, I think maybe the league is starting to finally recognize that as, as well, too, um, as far as the Fantasy is concerned just from simply playing, it forces you to keep an eye on or or watch or, or participate in other games that you might not have cared about just because one player's on that team, you know. And then sometimes you're in that eternal struggle when your team's playing against a team that you have a player that you really need to get you some <laughs> points. So you're kind of like, all right, I want us to win, but I want that guy to score three goals, and then that's okay, or whatever, as long as we win. <laughs>
0: That's it. I think we've all been there. Most of us.
2: <laughs> I know I have.
0: <laughs> and Simon, with with Seattle, me not having a team, but there you go. Oh, you don't have a you don't have a particular team that you favor. I guess like being in Kentucky, Columbus is three hours away. I feel like I should be a Columbus fan. I know Alexi Lala says beers and brats. That's that's what you can look forward to. But there's just there's just so many people scattered around the league that. That I like and I want to see do well. That I just I just feel like I've become much more of a of a league fan than, than really a specific team. If I live close to a to any team, I would grab season
2: tickets in a heartbeat and be there all the time. But okay, I'm not going to let you cop out with that answer. If you could only watch one team, <laughs> like your MLS live package only allows you to watch one team. Oh my gosh! The whole season. Which team do you pick?
0: Oh, my gosh, that is... I'm on the spot now. Uh, oh. You know, I think I would probably go with Sporting Kansas City. Okay, there you go. I think go. I would do that, just with the national team connection there and a big Zeusy fan as well. So I I, I think I guess a push came to shove, I guess I'd go with that. Okay,
2: there you go. There's, there's a little progress now. You Now you're starting to... Develop a, a team. <laughs> <laughs> now, when it's into the Kansas City Seattle rivalry, um, uh, Simon knows to make fun of you about it more if Seattle happens to win.
0: <laughs> and they'll be playing them more this year since they've switched over to the to the West. Yep.
1: Yeah. Reed, better watch out. He's going to find a Dom Dwyer jersey in his
0: mailbox in in a week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, that is something we didn't talk about before. With the schedule is. Uh, was it Houston and Kansas have switched over? Ed, that's That's got to be good for you guys in Chicago. I mean, you've added, well, you got New York and Orlando, which I guess are sort of unknown quantities right now, but it's it's definitely the, the easier of the two conferences, I think.
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree. And, I mean, just on the simple fact that expansion teams haven't in the past technically haven't done uh, particularly well. Um, I guess you kind of have to go with past performance, even though past performance isn't Predict future outcome, but if I had to guess, that's what I would go with, or pick a pick a conference to be in. That would be it.
0: Definitely. And you get to play in Orlando three times. Is that right? I think that's that's got to be rough. Moving Chicago down to Orlando, man. I can't think something like that. And it's humid. <laughs> it I beach hate, time.
2: I hate humidity. Oh, man. <laughs> the last time I was in Florida was that what the 2009 mls combine and i remember like walking out of my room and i was just like oh my god this is this is the worst this is the worst feeling in the world <laughs> i i hate humidity with a passion i'm from california so dry heat is okay but oh man humidity it's like you're running in a swimming pool you can't breathe it's no fun
0: <laughs> maybe not then you'll just enjoy them coming to you yes <laughs> So to talk a lot about the schedule, the, the last short segment that we had planned is what I've been calling the Rard section, just because I feel like it'd be fun to talk about it for a short period of time. But let's talk about Lampard and Gerard. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about those signings that we've gotten so far?
1: Well, I guess I'll go first. Uh man, those are two really good players. But uh In terms of fantasy impact, which is, I guess, what I'll focus on the most, I don't really see it being that big of a deal because they'll come in, what, July 1st is when both of their contracts start and then it's going to probably be a couple weeks realistically before they're starting. Um, And that leaves you with, if I had not just closed my schedule a minute ago here, I would have it right up, but that only leaves you with so many weeks left to play, and then you still have to get integrated into your squad and all that sort of thing. So in terms of fantasy, I don't really think it's going to be that big of a deal. But they're really good players, and although I know traditionally it's taken players who are new to MLS at least a half season to really adapt and do well, um, that maybe wasn't necessarily the case with, like, Jermaine Jones last year. He came in and was really effective right away. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they'll be good additions.
2: I'd have to agree with that assessment. I, would, I don't bank on um, players who just come, who are just freshly coming to the league contributing too much, not a, not right away. There's there's just too many factors that you have to get used to, uh, one of them being travel, which most of those guys, I don't think they've traveled more than them. Than an hour on a bus to go play a game, Yeah. <laughs> um, turning turning an hour on a bus into a game to a five-hour commercial flight across the country, you know, is uh, a big difference, and it play it, 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 you know, it has its toll on your body and stuff like that. And uh, then just the the philosophy of our league, the the way Americans play soccer is just different, you know. And uh, I think it takes a lot of getting used to, and uh, I think a lot of those guys, they have to deal with the the mentality of accepting how we play here and then choosing to embrace it and then, you know, then excel. Someone like Henry is a perfect example of that. I don't think when he first came to the league, he, wasn't, he didn't produce too much, right? But then I think he got real serious about it and, was like no, I'm, I'm one of the best players in the world, and I'm going to prove to you why. And then then he lit up the league for every every single month after that.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, there's I don't think there's anything much to say more about the the Lampard and Manchester City fiasco that's been going on. Uh, I'm I'm excited for for Gerard becoming my buddy. Mine's a big Liverpool fan, so I've already asked him if he's planning on getting an LA jersey for his for his wall in his office. But uh, the one thing that could help them is I know that's right around the time of the gold cup, and so maybe if some some people are gone, they might have the chance to shine, so maybe some chances for for some quick fantasy points there, but that's so far down the season that it's really hard to make any expectations right now. But it's Why great. I them? I, mean, I know some people always call it a retirement league, but I love seeing the, the players. I, I know you guys must love chances to, to to meet some of these people or get to play with some of these guys. On, on some level it's got be, to be fun, but I think so many of them are surprised when they come that I kind of like it when they come say, "Okay, yeah, now now see if you really think it's that easy."
2: Yeah, that's the best. That's the best thing. I think I love I love seeing these guys because it's got got to be hard. I mean, internationally, there will be some people that just don't respect the league that much, right? But I, I I every single every single big name guy who's come over here always says the league's a lot more difficult than you think it is, and there's a lot of other things that factor into into this league that, that that might not necessarily be the case for other leagues.
0: It, is. it should be fun. I'm really looking forward to the season. Uh, I hope the schedule doesn't change because that's just less work I'll have to do on my spreadsheet, uh, but I'm sure it probably will. Um, that's about all that we have planned for right now. Is there anything else you want to touch on, Quincy, or anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to chime in on? No, I mean, that's pretty much it for me. Great. Um, Simon, any final questions?
1: No, thanks so much for joining us, Quincy, for like a, a long part of your day. This is so exciting.
2: No worries, man. you know, just uh I appreciate the opportunity to come on and give my my long spiel about all the stuff that I'm doing. so hopefully yes. a couple of your listeners are interested and they can head over to the appropriate websites, follow me on Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff, and they can keep up to date with. What I got going on because I got a whole bunch more planned for this year. It's gonna be epic.
0: It's awesome. Any any cool? Pro- are we gonna have uh, beat Quincy again? 2015.
2: I think we're gonna try. We'll, we'll pro- I'll probably have it in some smaller capacity. Um, but of course I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be in the league, obviously, Excellent. and kill some people.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you to everyone. Who listened to this podcast? It was fun as always. uh, Be sure to check out mlsfantasyboss.com, Reddit at r MLS, and uh, I guess I'm going to have to plug as well, quincyamerica.com and perfectsoccerrecruit.com. Did I get those right? Yep. But all that it it should be exciting. It's going to be a great season. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, This has been the second episode of MLS Fantasy Insider. Thank you so much.